If you're joining us online, we are in uh, Psalm chapter 8. So if you get your Bibles out there ready, Psalm chapter 8. Uh, many of the Psalms written by David, a lot of them are prophetic. We forget about that, but a lot of the Psalms are prophetic. And Psalm chapter 8 is a most beautiful Psalm. And we're going to, I'm going to read all nine verses here shortly, as soon as I get it open here in my Bible. And we are, if you trust you're following together, Psalm 8, 1. This is to uh, the chief magician, 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 upon Gittith, and the glory of God and dominion of man. We might give the title that way. The Lord, our Lord, how excellent, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, thou mightest, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? That thou art mindful of him, and the son of man, that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea. And thank you, Mr. Matthew Maury, the whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. Uh, he learned about that. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. May Lord, his blessing to the reading of his, of his word. Let's pause a moment for prayer. Lord, help me tonight. I would speak clearly. May we rejoice. May we be encouraged this evening. Lord, we, we're fighting battles as families every single day on so many fronts. May we pause in our busy schedules and the next 25 minutes or so, think about your word and how it can encourage us. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name, thy name alone in all the earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's interesting what is thought about this specific psalm. Uh, that the get this, there could be a, a tune from Gath. It could be an instrument made in Gath. It could be a song of Obed Edom, the Gittite, or it could be a song sung over Goliath of Gath. And Dr. Phillips takes the idea about it referring to Goliath of Gath, the song, because of a word he will talk about in just a moment. But Dr. Phillips brings up the idea of David and Goliath. You well know that they were very exciting stories. And the Philistine champion, is called, he actually is called a champion. The same word is translated over a thousand times as the word man. He, he is the man standing, he's like in the demilitarized zone. Or the man between the armies, that's Goliath, the champion. And so he's a champion for a time until David and the God of David arrive, and David arrives on the scene. Uh, we, can, we can imagine now when David comes to the, the Valley of Elah, and there's Goliath is, you know, send somebody out here to fight me. And I would be, I would be shaking in my boots if it had been me. And David's like, well, why doesn't Saul go? I mean, he's like six foot six or something like that. Why doesn't, he, why doesn't Jonathan go? Why doesn't my two big brothers go? I, no one else will fight them. I will fight them. And Saul says, you're not able to fight them. You're but a youth. No, I'm going to go. And so he goes down there, and David was able and to fight Goliath, and down came he down he came. His blasphemies were cut off in his throat, and soon afterward David was appointed as court musician and was given the task of trying to charm the king out of his dark moods. For example, at the end of chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, right before David and Goliath. David's playing to try to get the king out of his dark moods, and I looked over and over, but I can almost say with certainty that Frederick Chopin would go into the palace of King Frederick 
of pressure, I think it was, and he would play, and that's the one thing that calmed him down from his, his angst. And so I looked and looked, maybe it wasn't Chopin, but I know one of the very famous composers used to go play for them, and that music, that music calms the savage beast. The music calms the savage inside of us at times. Anyway, uh, Dr. Phillips, if you look at the beginning of 9, it says the chief musician upon Muthleben. He says that really would almost be an addendum to chapter 8 because uh, the, uh, the, people, the, the Talmud had, had an understanding that that really referred to the battle with Goliath. And, and the, the title it means the, uh, to die for the son and the, the death of the champion. He thinks this psalm is a psalm that David used in commemorating, O Lord, our, O Lord, how excellent is thy name. Because remember when he comes to Goliath, I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. And that's your toast, basically. And so then we, that, that's the, so Dr. Phillips, whether you want to agree with that, uh, that mindset or not, but it does fit in pretty nicely here when you think about David singing this psalm, especially after chapter 17 of 1 Samuel and, and talking about the passing of Goliath of Gath. We see in our outline, again, thank you, Dr. Phillips, who is, has a great outliner of scripture. It really has helped me so many times. Uh, the Lord's position in verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. It's not Allah. It's not Confucius. It's not Mohammed. It's not Joseph Smith. It's not anything else. It's, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Now, question number one. Now, that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D refers to the Tetragrammaton, the Yahweh, the Y-H-W-H, Jehovah's name. That's his, the self-existing, or self-existing one, the, the proper name of the one true God, the personal covenant name of God. We see it likely first in Exodus 3.14. Who shall I say is sending me? I am that I am. That's who's sending you. Go with power. Spurgeon says, We need not wonder at this, for no heart can measure, no tongue can utter, the half of the greatness of Jehovah. The whole creation is full of his glory and radiant with excellency of his power, his goodness, and his wisdom are manifested on every hand. I like this. The solid fabric of the universe leans upon his eternal arm. The solid fabric of the universe leans on his eternal arm. I included the sad statistics. Jehovah's name is not yet acknowledged in all the earth. These are 2020 stats. 1.8 billion Muslims place Allah on the throne of their hearts. A half billion Buddhists bow down to Buddha. One billion Hindus grovel to feet of countless idols. And it should be 1.5 billion humans are under the rule of communistic regimes. And atheists deny there's a God at all. So God has a lot of work to do, and when he comes back, he will clean house, and when he sets up the rule of his kingdom, every knee shall bow, and we're all going, every single person that goes into the millennium will be a believer in Christ as their Messiah, their Savior, and so he's going to rule the rod of iron. Question number two, then, what is the portion of the earth that is excluded from glorifying God? 0.00. Where'd you find that? O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is all thy, thy name in all the earth. It's all, all the earth is going to declare. But to, whom, but to those who have come to know him, his name is above every name. O Lord, how excellent is thy name. How majestic, Ron Hamilton said in the song we sang earlier, how majestic is thy name. Yes, even today when God's glory is hidden, his name is still excellent. It's interesting. What Think of this. This is a, maybe a backwards thinking but what is the one name that is the universal curse word? When is the last time you heard? 
Oh, Allah. Oh, Allah. Or my Allah. You know what happened? You say that around a bunch of Muslims with your head. I mean, if they get the jihadist, you're around them. But what's the one name? It's the blessed name of our Savior. The name that curdles your ears when you hear it. They use God's name to damn people or to just to, without even thinking. That says to me that he is the one true God. And old Confucius, old Stalin, or old whatever you want, old Muhammad, old Muhammad this. And, and, you know, they don't do any of that. It's our Lord's wonderful, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. You think Satan might have anything to do with a little bit of that? I'm thinking so, yeah. So when Goliath saw David and realized the Hebrews were sending this little strapping whelp of a man, he cursed David by his gods. And David said, thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord. In the name of Jehovah, capital L-O, capital R, capital D of host. That's the excellent name. So... Now, think back with me again, the introduction. I can very well see this being an ode to the death of Goliath. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy, especially when I had those five, five rocks in my thing, and I had my sling going around and around. I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm living my faith. And he, oh, and boy, he directed that rock and popped him in the head. And I ran up there and off with his head. And great victory because of you, God. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. The Lord's position, the Lord's power, and we see the conqueror of the world. I don't think I put that in your notes. The conqueror of the world, verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. Now, a cynic once said, God is on the side of the big battalions. Well, that's not quite so. Now, sometimes big battalions are more trustworthy than smaller ones. However, God does not need armies at all. All that he needs is a babe. Question number three, can you think of an important babes in Scripture? Well, Jesus, we'll start with that one. Samuel? Moses? David? Josiah? Jeremiah from his, from his mother's womb? Jeremiah was... Uh, well, John the Baptist, I mean, when John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb when he heard about the Christ child. So, God, so when, the, when the Egypt needs overthrown and he wants the Israelites to leave, God does not send his massive army in. He, he puts a little baby in the bulrushes and Pharaoh's own daughter comes by and sees a tear running down that, and then she starts crying, the baby is crying, I can't kill this child, find me someone, oh, I know somebody. And so Moses grows up, as they're in the palace of Pharaoh 40 years, 40 years in the backside of the desert, and we come to where we are on Sunday nights when he's leading the people out. Doesn't need, doesn't need a tank battalions, he needs one little babe. In the bulrushes, that's all he needs. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, that hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemy. I like what Spurgeon says, Ah, O adversary, to be overcome by behemoth or leviathan might make thee angry, but to be smitten out of infants' mouths causes thee to bite the dust in utter dishonor. Thou art sure broken now that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou art put to shame." It's one thing to be to be embarrassed by someone who's far your superior, but to have someone else, a babe, to embarrass you—that's that's something else. 
Uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, interesting, there was a man named Mr. Lawrence who was being burnt at Colchester and had treated him so ill they had to carry him to the firing, uh, the place they're going to burn him in a chair because the Pope had mistreated and beat him, you know, beat him black and blue, couldn't even stand up. And as they're burning him, there's children around saying this, Lord, strengthen thy servant and keep thy promise. And Mr. Lawrence died as firmly and as calmly as anyone could wish to breathe his last. And also there was a Mr. Weishart, one of the popish chaplains, the great Scotch uh, martyr. When the chaplain is around Mr. Weishart uh, getting ready to kill him, a, a child walked by and says, A devil cannot speak such words as yonder man speaketh out of the mouth of babes. The conqueror of the world. How about the creator of the world? When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Job said in 9.8, Which alone spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the waves of the sea, which maketh Arcturus and Orion and Pleiades and the chambers of the south. Can you imagine now perhaps David had gotten a copy of at least part of the scroll of Job and had read such words and as he's sitting out there strumming on his harp and looking at the sky, oh, there's one over there. Oh, and there's one over there. It's interesting, I was just reading an illustration about the President Roosevelt. He and another man, would, they would go uh, explore William Beebe, and they would often go out to a, uh, this place called Sagamore Hill, and they'd go outside at night, and they would locate the, the Andromeda Galaxy, and one would quote to the other, that is the spiral galaxy of Andromeda. It's as large as our Milky Way. It has one, has one of 100 million galaxies. It is 750,000 light years away. It consists of 100 billion suns, each larger than our sun. And that Roosevelt would say, now I think we're small enough. Let's go to bed. Let's go to bed. And, that, and that's, our God's a marvelous God. David was in awe. But, we sh- but David's awe should be eclipsed by ours. Did you know, and I looked it up today to confirm it, when Galileo Galilei first turned his telescope to the sky and said, you know what, we're not the center of the universe as we think we are. Matter of fact, we're, we're just not that. The Pope ordered him to recant. And he did. For fear of his life, for fear of being, is Pope Urban VIII? And matter of fact, his books were forbidden to be read for 200 years. Because he had dared to say that the earth is not the center of the universe. But there's far more to outer space than Galileo ever dreamed and even could dream today. Question number four, according to engineeringchoice.com, how many galaxies do they conjecture to be? Well, within current technology, 170 billion. But they say we think there might be as many as 2 trillion galaxies. That's just, it just boggles my mind. Two trillion. And question five, how does the earth compare to the largest of stars? Thomas Carlyle said, when I gaze into these stars, have they not looked down on me as if with pity from their serene spaces, like eyes glistening with heavenly tears over the little lot of man? How big is it? Well, according to space.com, our sun's enormous. There are, it's 93 million miles from us. We can put a million Earths inside of the sun, but on a stellar, stellar scale, it'd be swallowed up by half of the stars observed we can even see so far. The biggest star, one of the biggest stars, is called UY Scuti, S C U T I Scuti. Largest known star in our universe. It's a hypergiant. Its radius is 1,700 times larger than the radius of our sun. To put it in perspective, you could put a million of our planets in the sun and you could put five million suns into that star. Star, And it lies the center of the Milky Way, the star does, roughly 9,500 light years away from Earth. 
located within the constellation of Scutum. Uy Scuti is a hypergiant. It's so large and so fast. It's one of the rare stars. It's, it's losing a lot because of its fast-moving stellar winds. If you have your eye in the sky, you can see about 5,000 stars. You put a 4-inch telescope, you can see 2 million stars. You get a 200-inch mirror telescope, and you can see a billion stars. And it is 40 billion light years from one end of the universe, they believe, to the other. The new, uh, the new telescope they have up in space has really opened up a lot. They have a newer, bigger one coming up on the scene. I can't remember the name of it. It's already being tested. Question six, then what likely would the attitude of mankind, if we could somehow build such a UY Scooty star, Scooty star, if you could build the biggest star in, in our galaxy, how would you feel? <clears throat> just, uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah, big, that big thing. I, I, I did that. Yeah, that's how we would be. God has those and countless more. will never just beyond. Our God is an awesome God. He's, and so David says it so apropos there in verse three. When I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, when I consider all these things. The work of thy fingers. Can you imagine the work of thy fingers? Do you know that your heart beats an average of 75 times per minute, 40 million times per year, or two and a half billion times in 70 years? It pumps 3,000 gallons a day. Your body supported by more than 200 finely designed bones connected to more than 500 muscles and many tendons. And your digestive system has 35 million glands to digest your diet Mountain Dew every time when you overload it, it's got 35 million glands to get rid of that stuff. And that doesn't even count all the other things God has designed us inside of us. What a, the work of thy fingers. I like what Spurgeon says. I included it there at the bottom of two. If then you feel not your souls mightily affected with the condescension of God, say thus unto your souls, what aileth thee? Oh, my soul, that thou art no more affected with the goodness of God. Art thou dead, that thou canst not feel? Or art thou blind, that thou canst not see thyself compassed about with astonishing goodness? Wake up, he's saying. The Lord's position, the Lord's power, thirdly, the Lord's presence, top of three, verse four, God's interest in people. What is man? that thou art mindful of him, and the Son of Man, that thou visitest him to visit him. Of course, we think of the incarnation. Now he, he indwells us in the person of the Spirit. And I was trying this week, I know it's probably immature, but I was trying to figure out how the Spirit, the Spirit's inside of us. How does that, all that work? How does that work? That someone we've never seen is in, is in here. How, how, do, how does the demoniac get... And, and dwelt by so how did that many demonic spirits fit in our bodies I, i've not come to the I've, my mind's had a hard time i believe it's true oh i believe absolutely the holy spirit of god's indwelling me today because i invited christ to be my savior and lord i invited him in so the spirit comes in and he ministers to our spirit but how does that how does that work and so this we, we sometimes we settle for things I'm not, I'm a, I believe all those things, but just as, as a child, how, how, does it, how does God get in there? Isn't the God who's upholding all things by the word of his power now living in us and the person of the spirit, how, how does that work? How does, how did, how did Jesus fit into the, 
uh, inside Mary, how did, how did that work? Inside Mary's uh, womb there, a seven-day-old, seven, eight-day-old baby. Inside. How did that work? And so, but we believe, it's worth this, I'm living by faith. We're trusting by faith. So here, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Considering all these wonderful things you're controlling, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And that's interesting. Uh, the word, there's two words in Psalm 8 for man. What is man that thou art mindful of him? It's not the G-I-B-B-E-R Hebrew, but it's the Enosh, which means mortal man, man in his weakness. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? That word son is Adama, or son of Adam. Interesting, basically, if you think about it like this, not probably not exactly true in every single instance, but most likely, Son of Man, Old Testament is for the generally speaking, is for you and I, the general person. You get the New Testament, Son of Man speaks of Christ. Old Testament times, Son of Man basically it speaks often of just simply humankind, mankind in general. New Testament, the Son of Man is a wonderful name for our wonderful Savior. God, who visited man occasionally in the Old Testament, has now revealed the Son of Man, the Son of God, and the New Covenant. He's going to the rightful heir to all things that Adam forfeited by sinning, and he will one day come back to rule and to reign. His interest in people, also his interest in position, God's interest in position, five, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. For thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, and hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. A little lower in nature, since they are immortal, but a little lower because time is short. When that is over, though, we will be exalted. We will be heirs with God, heirs with Christ. A little lower than the angels. Yes, right now, we would say. The second person of the Godhead. Matter of fact, in Hebrews 2.9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Even Jesus for a time was made a little lower than the angels. We are for a time, but one day we're get to heaven and we're going to be joint heirs with Christ forever. We may not have known this, but Queen Elizabeth II, who just celebrated 70, 70 years of, of queenship, I think it was, 75, she was a, a, during World War II, she was a teenager, and, her, and she asked her dad, I want to be in the service, I want to be in the service, I want to do something for my country. So he let her join the auxiliary territorial service as a private. She had a superior non-commissioned sergeant who loved to say, Private Windsor, do that. Private Windsor, do this. And so she said, yes, sergeant, yes, sergeant. And so all the time, he'd love to, to get, you know, to really ride rough, not rough, but just be very, you know, very strong-willed with her. However, on February the 6th, 1952, she received word that her father had died. So Private Windsor became Her Royal Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. And that non-commissioned officer, I'm there saying never one ever again, called the queen and told the queen what to do. Because she was what she was supposed to be. And she was what she had been trained to do. And she was, she was on the throne for all to see. Our Savior came 2,000 years ago, holding all things together by the word of his power, humbled himself, even to the point of the death of the cross. But when he comes back, all those who are shaking their fists and saying, we don't want you, hmm, I'm just telling you, bad plan. Because when he comes back, it's not going to be as the babe. It's going to be as a roaring lion. 
And every eye that sees him, they're going to look on him and mourn for the one that they have pierced. Isn't that going to be great? On the throne he will be for all time. Meanwhile, we're a little older than the angels. I like, again, uh, this from, I think, as, as Philip's. A little lower than angels is God's estimate of the human race. We are not a little higher than the beast. We are a little lower than the angels for now. Charles Darwin described man as the most efficient animal ever to emerge on earth. What a degrading view of man. Man is not just an efficient animal. He was made by an act of God and made in the image and likeness of God. When the Son of God stepped off the throne of the universe to enter into human life, he did not become an efficient animal. He became man. If you want, a, you want one salient destruction of the theology or the theory, sorry, theory, theory of evolution. He became man, son of man. This this baloney that we are some elevated animal—that's man's own. It's Satan's evolutionary mindset to get people distracted from the truth of God's word has crowned him with glory and honor. Now, there are six things listed there regarding man. We are struggling. The atom, like was, the atom mashers have unleashed and harnessed the energy of the universe. The code breakers have unraveled the mysteries of DNA and RNA. Psychologists have explored the workings of the human brain. The marks of man's genius is everywhere. Despite the fall, man is a little lower than the angels, not an efficient anthropod ape. The Lord, having created us, companions us, crowns us, and commissions us. It's almost too wonderful for words. And in verse, verse 8 it is, The pathway of the seas. Matthew Maury, the father of oceanography and hydrology, found out that there are actually pathways in the seas that speed up vessels as they cross the ocean. The last is the Lord's portion. The last verse, verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. This is an envelope psalm. Meaning it opens and closing has opening and closing statements wrap the truth that lies in between. Open and close. It's an envelope psalm. Well, okay, you say this, but prove it. Well, David did very two very things. First of all, there's the evidence of God's greatness. Look at the moon and the stars, the work of his fingers, not even his hands, the work of his fingers. There's far less power in the finger than there are in the arm. The great stars and satellites, the work of his fingers out there, this unimaginable number of galaxies and stars. And secondly, there's evidence on page four of God's grace. Who can orbit the Milky Way galaxy, the Andromeda galaxy, and at least 170 billion galaxies and toss them into space as mere handfuls of dust start us? He says, and made the stars also, they four. And made the sun, moon, oh, and made the stars also. Our, my mind is this, our minds should be absolutely blown by the power of our God. So if you want to argue, if you say, well, I just don't know, pastor, about all that. Okay, back to verse 1. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. When I consider, just go again. You, you, you finish, I don't like, let's go back and, re, okay, let's rehearse it again. Here's what we're going to do. Let's go back and do it again. Can we go through that again? Again. How excellent is thy name in all the earth. May we be upholders of this marvelous name. Let's pray. Lord, what a wonderful psalm. Thank you for how it speaks to our hearts, speaks to my heart. When we consider all these things, what is man that thou art mindful of him? 
when you are upholding two trillion, even 170 billion galaxies by the word of your power. And yet, you're concerned about my aches and pains, my friends, our church. You're concerned about the lost that we live on the same street with, the lost around the world. You're concerned about those who've been through flooding. Lord, you are amazing. We want to honor you. We love you. We worship you freely this evening. We look forward to worshiping you for eternity. When you come back, Lord, the second time, it will not be as the lamb, but as the lion. Lord, we just thank you for letting us be a part of what you've got planned for the future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.